and welcome to another episode of Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli, that is me, speaks to her holy, religious, pious friend, Chayalea. That is not me. We <laughs> are the Vladimir and Elena Zelensky of, of Judaism. <laughs> um, wow. Vogue cover shoot. Yeah. Uh, did you see that? What do you I, think of that? I am a cynical um, a-hole, as you know. So it doesn't take much for people to fall off, uh, you know, their their good graces with me. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start with this. And I actually like saw it this morning and thought, I don't know what to think of this. I don't I know mean, what to make of it. It's not real until he hosts SNL. I, think. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I can hear both arguments. Like on the one hand, this guy is like single handedly like standing up to Vladimir Putin and like saving his country so nothing says he wants passion more than that right but like if he wants to be on the cover of vogue let him be on the cover of vogue but on the other hand it is just weird that in middle of a war to go in like a fashion magazine with your it's i don't know well you know as as a veteran of wars (laughs) yes sure so from my lived experience i can tell you (laughs) but there is a lot of downtime in war (laughs) It's not like go, go, go. No, there's a lot of waiting around. So, you know, you might as well get your hair and makeup done. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I, I don't know. It it seems to me because he was always teetering on the edge of like, is he enjoying this too much? And, and, you know, that was like a a kind of a it it tips the scales a little bit. But again, he's an actor. He came from this world. of. But he kind of deserves it. He kind of deserves it. I mean, um, I mean, you know, Yuval, Yuval Noah Harari, who I like, I know some people don't because they're anti-Semites, but um, I, I <laughs> do happen to, to like him um, or, or homophobes. Uh, yeah. They could also be homophobes if they don't like him. Uh, he said something right at the beginning of the war and he's, it was along the lines, of course, I'm paraphrasing is, you know, this is what nations are built on. They're built on stories of people like this. Right. And it doesn't really even matter how accurate the story is. As long as, like, the core of the truth is there, this is something. If this, if this is the type of spirit that Ukrainian people take with them to rebuild their nation, then it doesn't matter if right. he's, like, uh, you know, loves the limelight or not. Yeah, it's it, it just goes again to this idea. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but, like, the intersection of, like, media and entertainment and like real life and war and mm-hmm. it just always kind of feels like we live in a movie now and i don't yeah. know it, it's just like a weird reality that like this guy zelensky is actually the president is he the president or prime minister mm-hmm. i always forget president. the president of like a country that is at war like actual people are dying not actors on a set like mm-hmm. they're Depends actual you people ask, but yeah right well yeah, right. So my instagram friends and they're all crisis actors but, yeah, I mean, yeah. right it's like we live in this weird world today where it's like really hard the lines are so blurred between reality and and fiction and i don't know like he kind mm-hmm. of is very representative i think of that new space you know yeah, i mean if I we're gonna know. make people into uh, symbols, then th- that's a pretty good symbol to go with. I'll take it over, you know, n- no offense to your your uh, religion of, of Kardashians, but I'll take it <laughs> over the religion of, you know, Kim yeah. Kardashian or right, right. Even, even athletes that are wonderful and talented. But, you know, it, it's a good, I guess, like global role model to have for yeah, what it's I worth. agree. 
Um, again, about- even if you look at, I don't know, it's corrupt and this and that. As long as there is an idea out there of a person standing up for his country, for his people and taking responsibility. Yeah. I, I think that in itself is like a message people could could benefit from hearing. Right. No, it's true. Especially when we live in a time of like our politicians are so weak need and like yeah. just mealy mouth and so obnoxious. And he just seems like someone that you would want to follow into a battle. I don't know. He just yeah, yeah, has, and, it could you know. be total fiction, but it seems like it. But talking yeah. about athletes, you mentioned like there's also that other story in the news with that, with the female, the WNBA player who's being oh. held in Russian prison. Yeah. Have you been following that story? I have very little uh, emotional involvement in the, the outcome of that story. Well, I mean, I, I mean, guess it's not a good thing. I would like for people <laughs> not to be in Russian prison for the most part. But did you see the latest thing that Biden no. is basically offering to release this arms dealer who has a nickname of the angel of death? Um, and they're, uh-huh. the U.S. is willing to exchange this guy for maybe. this woman. Can we give them a, a different WNBA player, maybe? <laughs> I know. So, yeah, like my kids were actually talking about it at dinner. They were like, why are we exchanging a horrible, like, criminal who's dangerous and who knows what for this mm-hmm. girl? And, like, I don't know. On the other hand, I would want my country to stand up for me if yeah. I was being imprisoned somewhere. So, like, Israel, Israel, um, you know, returns hundreds of Palestinian terrorists sometimes for one body of a person. Yeah, sometimes thousands, and, actually. And, and, yeah. and it's very controversial because people are saying, you know, well, I mean, now they have more incentive to kill and it's... It's controversial on one hand, it's noble on the other, right? Yeah, um, yeah. like you said, like, you know, you know, if, if you're, if you're an Israeli uh, somewhere in the world and you're fucked, excuse my language, there, there's a whole country behind you. Right. And for the most part, if you're American, you're screwed overseas, you're on your own. That said, how many other Americans are like in Russian jails right now for crap? There are people. I mean, I, I know there's another prisoner who's there for another, a different reason, who's also part of this exchange, possibly. But Russia has been kind of quiet about it. I think they were upset that the U.S. went so public about it and Mm -hmm. maybe wanted to do it more like on the down low. But meanwhile, this poor girl, I mean, no matter what you want to say, I mean, she's in a Russian prison for for bringing marijuana to Russia. Like, I get it. It's stupid. I mean, who thought that was a good idea? You don't take anything with you if Mm -hmm. you're going to a country like Russia. But still, she doesn't deserve to be in a foreign prison that's probably scary as all hell. Did she say it was accidental? She I mean, have, no, because what, I she know, accidentally bought marijuana cartridges and brought them with her. Well, Russia? I know, I know of people <laughs> in, uh, I know of Israelis who have flown with, um, with That's like uh, shell casings. Yeah. Um, because they had them in their bag and they forgot. And you know, I have a lot of shit in my bag. I don't have drugs or, or bullets, but yeah, I know, think she I, had I've like been known to fly to a different country and be like, "Why is my like boyfriend's toothbrush in here?" Right. You know. <laughs> no, I think she like legitimately had. I mean, she was going. Apparently, I don't know everything about the story, but apparently, she was going there for like a league, so she was going to stay for a while. Yeah, and maybe she was just bringing pot for I herself. No, like if again, and I don't smoke pot, and but I, I'm yeah. like, I wouldn't know. I would err on the side of caution. I tell you, not take it. That I just remembered. (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) Oh God! Here we go. Just remember this. Okay. So when I was like thirteen or fourteen, we flew to. We would fly to Turkey uh, every summer for like three years to like uh, a knockoff Club Med. 
that was really? like it was like a German Club Med. You know how Club Med is French. <laughs> French. Yes. This was like a German Club Med. Um, and uh, we would go like our families would go with me and my 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 close friends. Like they were all my age. It was That's like the so best nice. thing ever. We would all stay in the same room. Aww. We had alcohol. We like flirted with boys. All these things <laughs> that you know you're not supposed to do. And I bought cigarettes. Right. Oh, gosh. But because I was so scared to take. <laughs> I'm telling this story. What did you do? Um, I, um, because I was so scared to bring them on the plane, like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't think I was scared of my parents. I think I literally thought I was doing something wrong by bringing cigarettes on the plane. I, I took them out and like wrapped them in something. Oh God. And uh, can you imagine if the Turkish like border God. patrol would have caught me? A 14-year-old girl smuggling oh, God. cigarettes. Into that would have been wonderful. <laughs> I just got pulled over by the dogs at the airport. I just came back from Israel a few days oh, ago. I thought you were using and dogs derogatory. No. Like, you, call dog, dogs? you know, they have these dogs that are like yeah. walking around. So it started barking near me. And I'm like, wow. what the heck? Like, Juice. what do I have? Juice so the smell. officer the officer's like, what do you have in your backpack? And I'm like, I don't know. Nothing. He's like, do you have any food in there? I'm like. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you take out your food? I was so embarrassed. You cannot. I had a whole kitchen in my backpack. What and I was start something you weren't supposed to have? And he's like, is there anything else? And I keep like, I'm like, uh-huh. And I keep pulling one more thing and one more thing. And then there's oh like a tuna God. sandwich at the bottom <laughs> that had like to, like tomato on it. And he's like, it's that. It's the tomato. Meanwhile, literally, there's a whole restaurant on the floor around my backpack. Because Aww. when you're an Orthodox Jew, you don't travel without food. I mean, I, it's Did scary. you accuse me of anti-Semitism? You should have. <laughs> what kind of, was it a German shepherd? I was, it was actually not. It was really this like small mm. little dog. But it was so embarrassing. And then he took it away from me. And he's like, I'm sorry, I have to take this. Aww, I, I puppy. But so, every time he's like, is there more? I'm like, you're fat shaming me right now. Like, yes, there's more. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to show you every single thing that's in my backpack. This is embarrassing. No, because you're not allowed to bring in fruits and vegetables, right? Because <sighs> I know, different. but I forgot. But Who can remembers? I tell you, because I know, I actually know quite a lot about dog, like working dogs. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so cute. The dog must have been so excited because yeah. it's a game. This whole thing is a game for them. Yeah. And if they don't win the game from time to time, they get like frustrated. <sighs> so the dog basically, you you did a mitzvah, really. Yeah, this dog was because really excited. Because the dog, you, you got the dog to like win the game <laughs> and he probably got a treat. Oh for it too. So you did. You really did something good. Let me tell you, traveling is not fun right now. It How was. was um, tell it, me about your trip. So, I mean, the trip was amazing. Israel was amazing, and I could talk about that in a minute. But the traveling part of it was an absolute horror shit did show. You double mask? No, no masks. <laughs> I did not go with the mask. I'm sorry, but it was. I okay. So I was at the two worst airports, Heathrow. And Ben-Gurion, okay? Now, <laughs> I went to Israel for 10 days. I was there for two weeks, but 10 of the days, I was there doing a fellowship where we're discussing, like, solutions to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, oh, to, like, the religious... Out? To what? Did you figure it out? Oh, my gosh. We're so close. Oh, and, but, but here's the thing. Like, Hartman, the place I was at, they should rather bring us for 10 days to discuss how to fix Ben-Gurion Airport. Like, <laughs> that is how deep... <laughs> That discussion needs to be like, it's so bad. And it took, I mean, I just, from the beginning, like I flew from LA to London when I got to Heathrow, okay. To go, I, 
I stayed in London for a few days and then I had checked baggage, which big mistake. Next time, I don't care how long I'm going away for, I'm taking three outfits in a backpack. It's not <laughs> worth it. So I had to go from London to Ben Gurion to Tel Aviv. So I get to the airport three hours in advance. And guess what? All what? of the, um, did I already tell the story? I, no. I don't know if I did. Oh, all the conveyor belts in Heathrow airport were broken. They were not working. <laughs> so we stood in line for two hours. The flights are coming. People are freaking out. They're, so they tell us, basically, we're going to take your luggage, tag it. It's going to stay here. And over the next few days, we'll send it off. So uh, like, you're not getting your luggage, which okay. I'm like, fine. I know this is annoying, but like, I had to carry on. So I took out stuff. There was a woman in front of me in tears because she was flying from Heathrow to Vancouver and going on a cruise to Alaska for two weeks the next day. She's like, how am I getting my luggage? Like, I'm never getting my luggage. I mean, she was hysterical. So anyway, you could imagine the whole airport is just a massive shit show. airport is really a place to cry. Ugh, Heathrow is, ugh. Anyway, get to Ben-Gurion. I know I don't have my luggage. I have to stand in line for two hours to fill out a freaking paper so that they'll get me my luggage eventually. I mean, Mm -hmm. the whole thing, I didn't get to my hotel till 3 a.m. It was just, I'm like, no wonder everyone's tense here. Like, Ben-Gurion is a shit show right now. Also because they're like understaffed. I know, I know, I Uh, know. Everyone's understaffed. I think that is the big, like, like, thing that's going to kill the the world right now. It's just like, Every problem I have when I when I think of like why is this problem happening to me? I'm like because there's not enough people working in this particular field. Um, no, I'm serious. Flown, everywhere. Have it's you ever like flown that. into um, Burbank? Never. Oh, so I flew into Burbank last time I was in LA for the first time, and Burbank is like a mom and pop airport. Yeah. Well, Long Beach it's has an airport so like that. Cute. It's yeah. like first of all, well. I flew in there and my luggage didn't arrive. And I asked this guy, it's like nice guy with a mustache. <laughs> anyway, he helped me and, and my luggage never arrived. I left my number, whatever. Then I had to wait like two hours for an Uber, but that's because LA is stupid. Yeah. But the next day they're like, your luggage is, we're going to bring you your luggage. I'm like, great. Who shows up with my luggage? If not the same guy with a mustache and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute yeah they're just like, it's a little like entrepreneurial airport they probably like fly the planes too that's but, and really i flew sweet. i flew there from west yellowstone airport which is an airport oh. that's only open like half of the year yeah uh, and that is really really small airport and i asked them um I, I was like getting my seat assignment and i'm like uh should i like kind of thinking out loud or like should I sit on the left side or on the right side? And the the person like doing the ticketing was like, Bob, what's what's the what's the best seat to see like the view when you fly into like Aww, Burbank? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was that not like that at Ben Gurion or Heathrow. Heathrow. Let me yeah. tell you, it was not like that. No, Ben Gurion is like a battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it come took- in there, you're like, what are you doing here? Why are yeah. you here? Yeah. Are you here to kill Jews? I know. And well, then when, when I left Ben when I left Israel, so I flew from mm-hmm. Ben Gurion back to Heathrow, back yeah. to LA. Mm-hmm. The flight from Ben Gurion to Heathrow was delayed, so I missed my connection, and I had to spend a night in London uh, at a hotel right next to the airport, which was a whole another disaster. Was it, was but it a special day for you? No, it was. I, I no, it was horrible. No, but it was. Wait, let me ask this again. Was it a special day for you? Oh, it was my birthday. That you mean? Yeah, yeah. And this <laughs> happened on my birthday, and <laughs> I like. Okay, I'm going to tell a very bratty story. Okay, should I or not? I of might course. be embarrassed. 
This is really bratty. I just told a story about how I smuggled cigarettes as a 14-year-old. No, this is like a bougie, bratty story. So I flew with my husband from LA to London, and I complained the entire flight because I had a middle seat. And it is so uncomfortable in economy. Like, you're literally, I don't know who they make those seats for, but it's not for a person my size, okay? It is so uncomfortable. And it's not about extra leg room because if you know how I look, I'm 4'11". I don't need more leg room. Okay. I need other room. <laughs> your, your, like, your legs are like dangling. From my this. leg. Exactly. My legs don't reach the floor. It's so uncomfortable. I can't reach my backpack under the seat because my arms aren't long enough. Like it's just the whole thing is not made for someone my size. So now I'm booked back. Now I have to go on a different flight, right? Because I booked myself a window seat so I could sleep on the way back. But now that I'm not going on that flight because I missed the, you know, the connection, they rebook me for the next day. And the last seat on the plane is row 44B. So like the second to last row, a middle seat. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like I can't. I'm not flying 11 hours. Nobody over the between age of 30 should sit in a middle I, seat. I, I know. I was freaking out. Meanwhile, no one can help me. No one can help me. I came to the airport four hours early because there was no way I was missing this flight back home. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I sleep in Heathrow Airport. I'm making it home. And they won't help me at the ticket desk. So I'm wandering around uh, Heathrow and I see a really official looking guy sitting at a desk. And I'm like, let me try this. So I walk over to him and I hand him my passport. And he's like, why are you giving this to me? I'm like, I want you to look at my birthday. So he does. And he's like, Aww. oh, happy birthday. I'm like, Today's my birthday. I'm like, is there any way, any way that you can help me get a better seat on this flight? I, I know you hear sob stories all day, but I'm begging you, please. So he's like, let me see what I can do. Aww, so he looks around and he can't, there's nothing. He shows me the, the computer. There's no other seat. I'm like, I'll pay extra, like I even an upgrade. So he looks, there was one seat in premium economy. Mm. So it costs money. I'm like, here's my credit card. He didn't give you a birthday gift? No, but well, it was a birthday gift that even helped me. Mm-hmm. So I flew home very comfortably, let's just Aww. say. I was I think so that's comfortable. a cute story. I don't think that's bratty. Well, I don't you know. I only mean. milked that birthday for all its worth. <laughs> I did. My family's like, only you would extend your birthday by eight hours just so that you can have a longer <laughs> birthday. Because I landed and I still had eight more hours left. Oh, that's so funny. I know. I, I think like, of that. My, my sister flew um, to Israel. She was here. She's sitting here. And she flew to Israel on her, and she landed, like into her birthday. Um, so she actually missed a few hours of her birthday. Oh yeah, see that's that's the opposite way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but Israel was. Uh, what can I say? I spent two full weeks in Jerusalem. I did not leave. Wow. I, oh, I left Jerusalem once and went to Jaffa for the day. That was yeah. it. I stayed in Jerusalem the rest of the time, um, except that my brother lives over the green line, which we won't discuss. I'm just kidding. Your brother's but, Palestinian? No, but he, no, he's not. But uh, I did. I spent the weekend with him, which was amazing. Aww, but, um, the babies? Yes, the twins and everyone and his kids. But most of the, the rest of the time I was in Jerusalem and I just fell in love with the city all over again. I just yeah. love, love I really like Jerusalem. It's like for, for, for me, for somebody like me from, I grew up outside of Tel Aviv, yeah. Um, Jerusalem is like a foreign country. Like, yeah. I can't, you know, Israel is, you know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, it's totally, first of all, an hour drive in Israel is like practically like <laughs> flying to like Europe. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's and so then, true. You know, Jerusalem is, is weird. Like, people, there are Arabs and Orthodox people, which we don't have yeah. Um, yeah. in Tel Aviv that much. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. You, you, they actually even have different words for things. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like Jerusalem. And last time I was there, um, this was about a month ago, 
I think I went, um, I, I always try to go to the old city and the uh. f- more I live in, uh, the, you know, the longer I live outside of Israel, the more I kind of view it from an outsider's perspective and in a good way. Like I just, yeah. I don't take it for granted. It's a very special, uh, special place. Yeah. One of the things that we discussed, like it was really apropos of like our conversations, but in this fellowship that I'm doing at the Hartman Institute, Mm -hmm. um, one of the conversations was like about Jewish identity and Mm -hmm. the difference between like American Jewry and Israelis, right? And how different that identity comes out. And like one of the speakers was saying, um, Israelis are like chosen, right? You don't get to like, you're chosen. You live in Israel. That's who you are. It's just part mm-hmm. of who you are. You speak Hebrew, you live by a Jewish calendar, you li- you know, your friends are Jewish, etc. But American Jewry is constantly choosing, right? Because you yeah. have to always make a choice to make Judaism important to you. So you're like, saying that you're better than us. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, obviously. Well, American. wait a minute. If you, <laughs> let me ask you this. If you could define you're an American Jew, I'm an Israeli Jew, obviously can define your judaism like you use three words just just like that's so hard to define my judaism just like use three words like i'll do it too uh, three words to define my judaism i mean that's i would say torah Mm -hmm. um it's not family 20 yeah what (laughs) family and uh and identity those would be my three interesting what would be yours um it's hard. Um, war. Oh my god! No, just like constantly being in a state yeah. of like you know threat of annihilation. Uh, Holocaust. Yeah. Just because like we are the continuation of our grandparents, right? You know? Right. Um, and and it's technically two words hyphenated, but like Middle East. Like I feel right. very Middle Eastern. I know it's right. weird, but no, like, but I, that's true. I that feel very true. much like connected to like the Levant. The yeah. like. With yeah. the sun and the food and the beach and it's like yeah. I'm not one of you like you know shtetl people right right <laughs> no <laughs> it is it is true I mean even if you break down American Jewish identity it's hard because I'm an orthodox Jew so it's also different for someone like me versus you know a reform American Jew or a secular American okay. Jew so I don't know it's it's a very Jewish identity is really interesting and I I loved every conversation we had about it because it's complex and it's there's so much like it, it just so much to dig into and figure out. And, you know, there was this whole like thread. I mean, the Hartman Institute is kind of trying to talk about this idea of like aspirational Zionism versus mm-hmm. like just, you know, continuing where we've been all this time. But like, what do we want, right? What Instead of the country we need, we want the country we want. And what should it look like? And how should it be? And what should the values be of this country? And um, it was just really, really interesting and and sometimes hard to talk about, you know, because most of the people that I was sitting around the room with, like, have very different opinions about very important issues when it comes to Israel than I do. But it okay. was so, it, it was so amazing to be able to talk it through, you know, and yeah. be able to share why I feel this certain way and why, you know, why this is important to me. Um, and we also did spend a couple of days really, like, delving into the Palestinian and Israeli-Arab issue. We spent mm. one full day in East Jerusalem. Wow. Um, we went to Sheikh Jarrah, you know, to oh, wow. visit. Uh, yeah, we went to a Muslim home. Did you um, pick a nice uh, a nice home for yourself? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it, the complication of that story. Like, so we went to a home of a Muslim family who were being evicted. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we spoke with them and the, the the dad spoke to us and basically, you know, explained how they were given that home by the Jordanian government in like 1954, you mm-hmm. know, when East Jerusalem was part of Jordan. But yeah. like that land is owned by Jews from before yeah, it's, it's, 1948. Sorry, it's a screwed up situation it's for everyone. It's a complicated. Like family got like the short end of the stick, but. Yeah. And the Supreme Court of Israel ruled for them. I mean, the Supreme Court of Israel ruled for this Muslim family and said Mm -hmm. they cannot be evicted right now. So it's not like, I mean, anyone who says that this is an apartheid country or, you know, whatever is just wrong because it's It's not like one, like, what is it? Six houses that we're talking about? It's, it's a small neighborhood. Yeah. It's Rashida Tlaib. It's like genocide of, of entire neighborhoods. Yeah, that's um, why you can't listen to the news. You have to go there and like actually talk to people and understand what the yeah. situation is. You know, I would love to do that. Maybe, um, maybe I'll suggest that to my. Um, I'm going. Uh, I think I'm going on this delegation in November. Yeah, yeah you uh, should. Um, it was really interesting to talk to the people there. But just, I think showing um, how non-ideological things are. Or how much bureaucracy is involved in conflict. Yeah. So um, this is I'm, I'm going to give an exa- tell you a story that's going to sound like completely out of left field, but I'm going to try <laughs> to tie it in together. So I'm reading a really interesting book now about um, the murders in Norway of this this crazy like neo-Nazi guy that murdered like 70 kids on an island in oh, Norway. Oh yes, I remember when that um, happened. It's so interesting. Um, it was recommended on on the fifth column. Um, and I, I just real I'm really interested in getting into these people's heads and like what makes them tick. Um, cause it's like this one crazy batshit guy, but right. anyway, they t- tell the whole, his whole story, his whole family history, uh, TLDR mental illness, yeah. if you ask me, um, like since he was a little kid, but, um, then they're talking about the response to, this was a, a, a an event that unfolded over the course of a few hours. Right. Uh, there was, he parked a car, um, with explosives in Oslo. And then he drove to kill these kids. Um, so there was a lot of police response involved. Right. Um, and there was one, there was a story that they were talking about. Somebody called pretty early on in the incident and said, Hey, I have the license plate number of the guy who drove away from the bomb scene. And he might be the guy that you're looking for. And the person, the police wrote it on a post-it note went and handed it to her supervisor and the supervisor somehow it got like <gasps> slipped between the cracks. Oh my gosh. And if it didn't, if, if, if they had known this vehicle, they might've stopped him from going to kill all these kids. So, Oh my gosh. It's so sometimes so incredibly unremarkable. Right. How, you know, the, the issues it, it, it's, it's not always like these big ideological schemes. And I, I take, you know, I go back to thinking about, um, you know, the, the, the shooting in Texas where everybody's like, you know, these cops are coward. These cops are heroes. Yeah. Uh, you know, these Israelis want to want to kill all the Palestinians. These, you know, these Palestinians want to kill all the Israelis. And some so much of it is rooted in really gray area bureaucracy yeah. and mistakes and decision making yeah. and bad decisions and maybe good decisions that didn't come out that well and yeah all these boring things that are, are a lot harder to get mad at but right. they are, it's interesting you're saying that because the one of the palestinians that we met with who owns a bookshop in east jerusalem was 
trying to make a point to us, to our group, about how horrible it is to be an Arab in East Jerusalem, a Palestinian mm-hmm. in East Jerusalem, because they have a different status than Palestinians in the West Bank. They are considered Israeli They're citizens. Citizen. They have They're, blue... Um, they have like, a different... They have passports. Exactly. Right? Oh, no, passports. Not blue, passports, um, but they have a citizen, whatever, in East Jerusalem, like a... I yeah. forgot what it's called, but yeah. they can travel and they can apply for Israeli citizenship if they want. So he mm-hmm. was telling a story about getting his, because he studied in university in England for a few years. And mm-hmm. he was telling the story of how hard it was to get his papers and his visa. And everybody around the room was like, that sounds exactly like how it is in America too. <laughs> like, sorry, like it's Bro. not that remarkable that your bureaucracy sucks here. Like every yeah. country has a horrible bureaucracy and visas are like horrible. Do not and- get me started on the American ministry. Of I America. know. Like, I don't want to say anything bad because I don't want them to come down on me. But that right. said, I don't. <laughs> think they even know what a podcast is let alone like have the capability to listen to one and they probably don't right. have speakers in their office that's right, how right. backwards the um the, the citizen immigration services are yeah um, well, if anybody needs an immigration lawyer my brother's an immigration attorney just fyi when i got my green card um um, when I got my green card, I showed up and it was in the middle of, of covid and I was waiting for it for a long time and of course covid slows everything down And, um, I had a lawyer who I paid an insane amount of money to who basically they ask you all these questions. One of the questions they ask you is like, are you a a member of a terrorist organization? Do you like have child pornography? Like all these, you're supposed to like, (laughs) yes or no. Right. So obviously I click no, but then they come to the, the, um, the questions about service. Like, were you ever involved in an organization that killed people? Were you ever? So I asked the lawyer, I'm like, you know, I serve in the military. Like, what do I check? And he's like, oh, yeah, check yes. Like, they they would what? know. So I checked yes on all these, like, have you ever done, like, you know, horrible things? Have you ever, like, you know, been part of an organization oh that, like, you know, did, like, targeted killings? I'm like, hey, you know, got country got to do what a country got to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and then I ha- I wait for my interview, and I wait, 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 and I wait. And then you sh- finally get your 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 interview thing in the mail. It's like a like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Yeah. You're so excited. You show up there. It's like the DMV in of like course. 1996, like Patty and Selma working there. And they bring me into this woman's office. And she's like, so did you do that? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I checked this because I was in the military and, and the lawyer told me to check this. And she's like, well, that's the only reason we invited you to the interview. You would have gotten your green card in the mail already. Oh, and my she handed gosh. me back. She handed it back to me, and she's like, "Just cross those out and check them again, and check like the right <laughs> thing now that you didn't do all this stuff." And That's then they amazing. Gave me and it was just so anticlimactic, like, but also just I can't believe I almost got. If this was another person, they would have just been like, "Nope, denied." Denied. And, I know. I yeah. know. It's a it's the luck of the draw. So Americans, you. Thank your lucky stars every day that you're born here because it is so yeah. hard to come here. And or you can call our friend, or you could call our friend John, who just finished law school and is an immigration lawyer. Yay! I didn't or even know brother. John is an immigration lawyer. Yeah. Oh, good for yeah. him. Yeah. So we have uh, lots of hookups if anyone needs. Uh, oh, needs maybe he'll help. maybe he'll do my citizenship. Maybe he'll. Yeah, ask him or ask yeah. my brother. Either. Well, one. your brother probably probably can't afford your brother. Oh yeah, he's John so is just expensive. out of law school. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's a good point. But uh, yeah, so that was that was uh, quite a trip. I'm happy to be home. Oh, but it was that's a, no, it's exciting. I um, I yeah, I love those trips. I've I've taken a few myself, like 
with students and stuff. And I always learn a lot because, yeah, you know, a lot of the places you go to, I haven't been, hadn't been since high school. And when I was in high school, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But yeah. Um, did you go to um, Harbental in the Golan Heights? I did not leave. I've been there many times, okay. but I did not leave Jerusalem this time. Oh, well, because wow. I wasn't on a trip with students. When I take students, because I do take students, but. Well, these are all people who have been to Israel before. This was all, yeah, this is a fellowship. So a two-year fellowship. We'll be doing this again next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're, we're basically, you know, unpacking lots of big issues uh, facing the Jewish people in Israel. Um, and we just met with amazing speakers. Yessi Klein Halevi, I mean, oh, writers love, and journalists. Yeah, love. I, love, I love him. Um, Micha Goodman. Um, oh, these are all people that more. you guys should be reading if you're not. Uh, Mati Friedman came and spoke to us. Well, I um, just finished Mati Friedman's book. I have a book recommendation. Dear yeah, readers. Tell them. Um, called uh, Spies of No Country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's about the the birth of the Mossad, but it's about the spies, um, the Jewish spies who came from Iraq and, and uh, Lebanon and Syria and came to Israel and then became like Jewish spies, but that was even before the birth of the nation. And it's yeah. such a fascinating story, but also it tells you a lot about like the, the years between like 1945 and 1949. Yeah. He's, I, I cannot say enough good about Mati. I love him. Is he cute? Yeah. Is him he and great? Micha are. Micha's older, isn't he? I think Mati's no. like age appropriate. No, Micha is young. Oh, really? Young. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, the other one who I really enjoyed, I mean, there's so many that I enjoyed. I, I'm not going to mention everybody, but um, one I want that stood out just because people might be interested in this. But uh, we had a speaker named Tal Becker who mm-hmm. actually wrote the Abraham Accords and oh, wow. was, and represents Israel in front of the international court and has been involved in like all kinds of negotiations with the Palestinians over the years. Um, and so him. having him, he came and spoke to us twice, actually. Um, and it was just great. Yeah. He was, he was fascinating. Like we spent one whole session just talking about the, you know, what people refer to as the occupation, um, and like breaking it, yeah, breaking it down and understanding like what it is, why people call it that, why people don't call it that, what they mean. It was, and then he did another session on apartheid, um, is Israel an apartheid country. And it was really like, both were just super helpful and, and clarifying, you know, in so many ways. And um, wow, I yeah. want, yeah, I want to. Oh, and he's Minister of Foreign Affairs, so maybe yeah. um, our, my my trip. Uh, we'll yeah, get he's him great. He's great. He's. I had. Really um, great. See, I I was doing my 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 piece uh, the other day on Twitter by fighting with um, anti-Israel <laughs> Jews, who you know are my favorite kind of people. Uh, I know. Um, I know. But yeah, I just can't help myself. I see people and they're, they're just like, they fill every stereotype. They check every box. Yeah. Um, so this one guy is like this smug ass person with like this face that looks like he brews his own kombucha. <laughs> and like, I came up with a lot of different ways. I don't know him, but he looks like the kind of guy who, if he has a girlfriend, he calls her his partner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy who... When you ask him what kind of music he likes, he says he listens to everything except country. Oh, God. Um, yes, yes. That, 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 you know the type, right? Yes. You know the type. The type who asks for, like, you know, who, who double masks. Um, yes. And who <laughs> orders, like, sorbet instead of ice cream. You're literally insulting all of our 
right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay to double mask if you have a pre-existing condition. Uh, <laughs> but this guy, this guy who really like just the face of, of anti-Semitism, I would say, like just the face that makes you hate Jews. Um, he posted a photo of himself with a smug smile and a shirt that said, globalize the intifada which sounds really cute but really what it means is like make violence like international right like it means like instead of throwing stones at jews in israel throw stones at jews in america everywhere yeah um because that's what the intifada means so um so i tweeted something snarky about that and then he blocked me as they always do oh god um and then i tweeted like you know like something like what you know a screenshot and be like why do the cute boys always block me (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know why i i I got i I was like in in the timeline of jesse's single for that exact moment so he retweeted me that's so funny and and then i got um just an evening of like snark out of it which it's like it's kind of like eating mcdonald's like you know it's not good for you yeah you just can't help it really good and it feels nice you know what's sad that these people are literally not helping at all, like in any way. And so it just frustrates me. Like, I don't care how left-wing or right-wing or liberal or conservative or whatever you want to be, but like, it's just not, their stance in this stuff is just so unhelpful and not advancing anybody in this situation. And I just, I have no patience for it anymore. It's so stupid and... Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to be balanced here because it's a very balanced podcast. Yeah, um, very. I, you know, I feel the same sometimes about the really pro-cop people who, you know, I, I am I am pretty pro-cop if I had to, like, put myself on a scale. But then you see all these, like, people who, like, you know, are all the stereotypical pro-cop people. And then they say all this, like, really dumb shit online. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, no, you're not helping. You're not yeah. helping. You're not making things better. Yeah. I feel like because, I mean, I'm pretty... I'm a pretty right-wing Zionist, I would say, like, when it comes to Israel stuff. But one of the things that I really, like, thought a lot about over the last couple weeks is somebody, I don't remember which speaker said this, but really, we have two traumatized people living on the same land. Mm -hmm. And if you can't recognize that and, like, understand that this is a a situation that your stupid slogan, your stupid t-shirt, your stupid, like, Twitter handle, like, none of that is going to help. The situation. We need real, like, ideas and solutions for real people, not for really? coddled American liberals and leftists who think that they're going to like solve it by you know screaming some dumb slogan. I just yeah, it's, it's true. And and both I'll add to that that both sides, Palestinians and Israelis, Palestinians and Jews, are both fighting for their lives. Right. So they are both, exactly. and I I mean that literally, but also. Yeah, figure, like, yeah. Also, as an, as an idea, yeah, like both yeah. are fighting for the existence of their people, right? Which right. is one hundred percent true. So there's a lot at stake, right? Yeah. This isn't just about exactly you know, about winning or losing. This is about like we we're we're all afraid that we're not going to be here as a people, right? And um, I think I often like approach this whole conflict and 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 the whole situation like in fear. Mm-hmm. And part of what like we talked a lot about over the last couple weeks is like. How can we approach this without the fear part and just like yeah. thinking about values and thinking about like 
you know, peaceful. And I hate to be a cliche and I don't want to be cliche about it. It's not about being peaceful. It's about literally about like approaching this as humans and like thinking about values rather than just approaching everything in fear. Cause that's yeah, how I, I live. I do live in fear. Yeah. Right. I approach it in anger a lot. Well, right. That's also not yeah. always helpful. I mean, it's anger helpful a little and, bit. And, and people, you know, like, um, ignorance because 90% of the people who talk about the subject of the Israelis and Palestinians are ignorant. Yeah, and well, that's me true. that I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about this. I've also myself only scratched the surface in my, my 40 years on this right, earth. Right, right. Right. So it's, you know, there's, there's so much to it. And that's why it's interesting because, you know, I know a lot of really right wing people, not really right wing, but, but people who are identified as right wing or vote right wing. And they probably have more, friendships and contact and understanding of Palestinians than most of the left-wing people I know. Right. right. Because there are people who live it day to day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And and people are are complex human beings and that you could be, I don't know, this is going to, this is going to be a very controversial thing, but I also think you can be, I I was listening to the Israeli news and um, uh, Israeli pot, um, radio show, sorry. And they're talking about the captain, I think he's a captain or one of the, the players, um, in the Israeli national soccer team, mm-hmm. uh, who's Arab. And he posted during the war, he posted something about like, God will punish the, the infidels or something that was very like right. bad. But and again, I don't know this person, but I know what he represents. He represents, um, Jews and Muslims working under the flag of Israel. This man wears wears the flag of Israel on his shirt and represents the country. And he's angry. He feels like his people are under attack. People are are complex human beings. I'm not to say that that it's okay what he said, but I understand how he can feel both things. He can feel anger at at the state that he lives in and also pride of wearing the jersey when he's doing i don't know people are complex it's so complicated i mean i feel like we've spent a lot of time on this now this is it's so complicated (laughs) a new show about the israeli-palestinian conflict no no this is like first of all we haven't talked about the holocaust at all i know we didn't even mention it not even didn't even mention that anne frank is not is white (laughs) um that's a new one that came up recently. Can I tell you uh, something weird? I went to the Israel Museum, which I haven't gone to in a long time. So oh, I had an afternoon nice. free. See the Dead Sea Scrolls? And I, yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls are there. And I was just like, I haven't been there in a long time. So I wanted to see what was new and what's going on. Do you know that there are two Picassos there? Like, yeah. why? Are, but I think they're like lame ones, right? Yeah, but like, why are... It just <laughs> I couldn't understand the connection. Like... What does Pablo Picasso have to do with the Israel Museum? I don't know. No, Still- it's a legit museum. They have like legit it's stuff there. Legit museum. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything know. used to be Jewish, Chayalea. I don't Just know. I thought it was it. weird. I was. I thought it was weird. I'm sorry. No, um, it's more like it's like a trading card. You know, but the like best part. Two Picassos. I guess. Listen, for me, the best part of the Israel Museum is that I ate lunch after. Well, it was Where? like kind of dinner, like in the museum. Do you know how exciting that is for me? Like, I never get to go to a public uh, thing in America, like a museum or an amusement park, and sit down and eat a meal. Because it's not kosher. Did you go to Yad Vashem and what did you eat there? (laughs) No, I'm not. Because you can tell scroll back to, I don't know what episode it was, but Chayala gave us a scathing review (laughs) 
of the of the the food options at Yad Vashem. Okay, that's different. But the Israel Museum, I actually sat down and had a delicious farm to table delicious meal. And wow. I really enjoyed that. I felt like that that's just that's, that's the point of Israel. You've never been to like dig, huh? You never been to like dig in. No, it was like so exciting for me. So sad for you. But anyway. I hope when you go to heaven <laughs> I know. It well, better all be kosher. Cheeseburgers. No, it better all be kosher. I'm gonna be really annoyed if I have no, to No, like, God'll be like, You're you're done, girl. You're your cheat your cheat eternity now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know about that. Talking about uh, suffering. We're, we're, <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is called Ask a Jew. We're very, we, we love yeah, suffering. We I don't, suffering. Yeah. Um, but this week, this is actually today is the first day of the month of Av. So um, the next. Oh, that's Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is the yeah. fast. The ninth of Av is in nine days from now. And we're, for the next nine days, there's a lot of things that we don't do. For really? example. Like Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Lent. Thank you. No, not like Lent, <laughs> but actually, kind of. Now that I think about it, we what don't do we eat not meat. Do? There's okay. no. We don't eat meat for the next nine days, except on Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we don't eat chicken. We don't get haircuts. Okay. There's oh, actually. Sh- I, I'm gonna get a haircut on Sunday. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. Uh-huh. Listen, but I have a, my birthday party. I need to look cute. Doesn't oh, God want me to look? You're not supposed to do anything party? fun for the next nine days. Um, I don't know if my birthday party is gonna be fun. <laughs> I might just be a lot of crying. <laughs> well, that's appropriate then. But yeah. Um, yeah, we don't like no. Okay, it's not kind of a three week period, but the not last nine days of the three week period, which we're in right now. But the next nine days are like the most intense. So like people don't listen to music, don't get married, don't buy new clothes, don't get haircuts. Um, Why? Why? Because this is a time of mourning for the te- the destruction of the temple. Both temples, the holy temples in Jerusalem, were both destroyed on the ninth day of Av. And lots of other bad things happen. like a conspiracy theory waiting to happen. It's just, that's what happened, okay? A lot of other bad things happened on the 9th of Av as well. And so we just, it's a sad, it's a saddest day of the Jewish calendar. And so we have a mourning period. Yeah, well, my birthday, no, yeah, my birthday is the 4th. What if your birthday is Tisha B'Av? Oh, what if it, actually my sister-in-law's birthday is on Tisha B'Av. You just celebrate it the next day or the day after that. My birthday wow. is the 14th of Av, actually, my Hebrew birthday. Okay. Um, but what's my point? Oh, so my point is that's what the time that we're in right now. We don't swim. We try not to do, like, dangerous things. It's just, like, a bad time. So, like... No no bungee jumping, No dudes. bungee jumping. No, seriously. People, like, when no I was Russian growing up... Roulette. When I was growing up, no one flew during the 90s on an airplane. Really? Now oh, I think people... Time. <gasps> Maybe that's why my sister's flight was half empty. Yeah. A lot of people don't fly during the 90s. So it's wow. very possible that people... Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's probably why it was. Because all the other wow. flights have been packed. Um but yeah, so just that's what's going on in the Jewish world right now. It's a so bummer. It's a big bummer that's the middle of the summer because it just kind of like ruins yeah. your a week in the summer. But that's life. And then it it ends with the fast of the ninth of Av, which is supposed to be next Saturday. But obviously, we're not going to fast on a Shabbat except for Yom Kippur. Which you're like, do. obviously, I'm like, right. yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, it's Shabbat awesome. is more important than a fast day, except okay. if it's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, okay. we do fast on Shabbat. Obviously. Obviously, listen. that's in the Torah. But yeah. Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, if it ends up on a Shabbat, so we push it off and we fast the next day. But it's also a 25-hour fast, just like Yom Kippur. Wow. So, yeah. And on, on Tisha B'Av, we don't sit on chairs. We don't wear leather shoes. 
<laughs> it's like a morning. It's real sorry, morning. Sorry to laugh at your people. Oh my God. Don't sit on chairs. You should fast for all your sins. I, what if I, I only have enough sins for Yom Kippur. <laughs> really? I only have enough sins for You have day. enough sins in one hour of the day that you could fast every day for. I, I, I can start doing intermittent fasting. Does that work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just kidding. You're sinless. But the, I'm um, sinless. but yeah, so that's what's happening. So I'm already stressed out about the fast next week, obviously, mm, because I'm going to have carb loading ugh, now. Carb loading and ca- the caffeine is the problem. I get the biggest headaches. Uh, so I don't know. Awful. Well, I, I can, um, I, I can, um, recommend to you what I did today, which what? might help you with your fast. So my niece is here in town and, um, I took her to the Harry Potter experience, which was like hell, like, cause Ugh, I don't know anything. Yeah, I took my kids. Yeah. Um, but they have a virtual reality show there. Did you do that? No. Um, so it's actually quite, it's pretty cool. Um, you sit, you go in and they give you like a VR headset oh, and you okay. sit on like a broom and then it's like a 15 minute thing where you're like, you know, move, you're like flying the broom and doing the things, the wands, the spells. Oh I don't my know. God. Excuse my, my lack of Harry Potter knowledge. But it made me so nauseous. Really? And you know, you're not moving. Right. But just but it the feels VR like you're experience. Yeah. yeah. That I still have not, my appetite has still not come back to me. Wow. So what a diet. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you can do that before <laughs> the chef out. Um, the kind of VR that my kids do is there's this new VR thing that all my sons have done that is um, the, the Beit HaMikdash, like the temple. I swear, I swear they made this entire wow. VR experience where the kids put on the VR headset and it's as if it's the time of the temple and you're like in it and you're like walking in and like the priests, the Kohanim are like walking around really? and the Levite. And yeah. then you like fight Hortus or something. No, they just like experience. There's like all the animals being brought for sacrifices and there's like, you see the building and you can oh, like walk man. through it. I love Jews. I just love Jews. They just like, they're like, they're on it. They are on it. They are on they're it. But you can do it. that at the Western wall at the Kotel. There's a, a part like a VR experience of it where you can do that. Yeah. That is yeah. so funny. Yeah. Leave it to the Jews. I know. One of the guys who was with me on our um, trip is an archaeologist, mm-hmm. and uh, it was yeah, super does. interesting talking to him about um, archaeology in Israel. It was really Did he find anything? Uh, he worked on the city of David and the old city, and he's worked on, like, some really cool stuff. Yeah, stuff in the north. Um, That's but, yeah, cool. he, he's very skeptical about a lot of stories that we've been taught as yeah. like historical well archaeology so. is, is is nothing uh <laughs> it's not quite the exact science is it it's uh they you know he would argue that it is but uh i don't know no but but uh, no i meant that as a as a i didn't mean that as, i meant that as a way to compliment him it's like oh like they they know that the story yeah the, the items don't tell a full story right, and, that ar- right. and that people like put stories on the artifacts right exactly exactly it reminds me, I might have said this before, so I apologize, but um, I was watching The Naked Archaeologist, which I used to love that show. It was like on TLC or whatever. Is that like Naked and Afraid? Uh, <laughs> they should combine those His shows. Name was, the, Naked, the Naked and Afraid Archaeologist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His name was Simcha Yakubavich, and I thought it was really interesting because he would like try to replicate like stories from the Torah about, and see if like it could have happened. Like he replicated the story of David and Goliath. and like. So why was he naked? I don't know why he called himself the naked archaeologist. He was not naked, but anyway, he, um, but he was like interviewing people about different things that they had found. And one of the, um, 
one of the things they were talking about were these like incense burners that they had found in the caves near uh, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they had on them like pictures of Roman gods. And they Mm -hmm. were saying that these came from the Holy Temple, from the, you know, from the Beit HaMikdash. And people were like discounting it and saying, no, it can't be because there were Roman gods on it. And they were like, well, you don't know, maybe, you know, they had brought them in later, whatever. So one of the archaeologists made such a good point, which actually changed my whole view of archaeology. And he said, you know, in a thousand years, they're going to like dig up a synagogue in Brooklyn, New York, and they're going to find Coke bottles that had Santa Claus on it. And they're going to be like, oh, this synagogue must have uh-huh. worshipped Santa, you know. It, and meanwhile, it was like a Hasidic shoal in Borough Park, right? That just That's had Coke so bottles. Interesting. Like you can't, like exactly what you're saying. Find like, I don't know. Yeah, like like so, like uh, somebody like painted the wall at the synagogue and they put down newspapers. Right. Exactly. In the paint, and they'll be like, why is why did they speak Spanish? Here? Right. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, you need a lot more to the story to, like, explain what you're finding. But anyway, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My archaeologist friend wasn't super impressed when I dropped that piece of knowledge. I thought I was, like, impressing him. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, I love Simcha Yakubavich, the naked archaeologist. He's like, he's kind of a scam. I'm like, oh. (laughs) No, I I also thought so. I'm just kidding. I'd be like, have you uh, ever been to the Temple of Doom? (laughs) (laughs) literally the first thing i said to this guy was oh you're like um you're like what's his name like harrison ford in um yeah in uh, raiders of the lost ark he's like oh do you think you're the first person that said that to me i'm like "Uh." i mean he should be happy that's a pretty good thing to i know somebody too i mean yeah totally i I, I would i would totally be flattered if somebody was like i agree like a giant movie sensation i agree have you seen the movie maverick actually speaking no of everybody says it's great though i really want to see it nobody will go see it with me really nobody your, your boys don't want to see it no i'm like anybody they hate america go? i don't understand i'm like anybody want to go see maverick crickets so everybody says it's amazing even though it's like low brow who cares um, but another thing and I, I will recommend if you live in new york um that's low brow but is like jaw-dropping is i saw the michael jackson musical oh that sounds interesting it was so good and i I watch a lot of musicals like i'm not easily impressed i mean that's not true i am easily impressed but but it's not (laughs) like i'm you know i've seen a million musicals with the music of someone right like it's not enough to just like the songs right um true it was so good the kid who played michael jackson is like 23 he just won a tony Um, and, and it's kind of like a, it's kind of below the radar of New Yorkers because it's not, you know, shows like this come and go on Broadway all the time. So most people that I talk to aren't like, oh, I want to see that. But, but when you go see her, like, holy crap, this is a really good show. It's really well done. There was like, it was one of the first times I saw a standing ovation in the middle of a show. Wow. For like a number. So highly recommend it. Um, wow. I'm surprised they're producing things by Michael Jackson about Michael hey, Jackson. You know, I'm, some I'm, you, you got to weigh the the weight <laughs> skills of talent. He you does know, seem it, to be above cancellation. I mean, if it was, you know, uh, what's his name, like uh, from Coldplay, who did those things, we could, you know, we could Chris take Martin. the hit, not not listen to Coldplay anymore. But with that Michael would be Jackson, sad. Like, don't just blow off Coldplay. Mm, actually, heard I heard uh, the Coldplay uh, concert is amazing. 
It is. Um, I've been. It's really good. I went to see Billy Joel a few weeks ago. Oh, God. I don't know if I mentioned this. Um, I want to see him every month now at the Garden uh, because I don't think he's going to be performing for much longer. <laughs> I, I, don't, I honestly don't know anything about him and I don't know his music. And I don't you, know. you know. You don't know that you know, but you know. Uh, maybe. Nice but Jewish I, boy from Long Island. Who, Billy Joel? Is he Jewish? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's Italian, but he's actually Jewish. That's so interesting. All right. On that note. On that note. On a Billy Joel note. It's Friday uh, afternoon, so I got to go. We didn't. We went straight into it. We didn't beg our listeners for uh, any money. That's right. Or join our Substack. Um, but you should join our Substack. Askju.substack.com. Um, put your email in there. We don't send a lot of emails. I promise. We just send episodes. <laughs> Kyla is going to actually write up the last episode that we did. Uh, before oh. Shabbos and send it to everyone. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but you can sign up there and you can email. You can connect with us there. You can email us at askajewpod at gmail.com. We actually need we need to do an episode where we just go over some of the emails that we got because some of them are really cool. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, one, um, some, some really beautiful, touching emails as well. Um, so ask your questions there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Next episode, I will tell you about the guy I hired in Pakistan to <laughs> make videos for us. I pay him twenty dollars a video to make videos about us lo- making fun of Jews. Oh my god! Uh, what a job he has! It's, it's a beautiful friendship that we have. Oh my god! Okay. Well, until next uh, time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.